Welcome to NoSpinHomilies.com. I invite you to join me to reflect upon the homilies of Father Dan. Father Dan will challenge us to open our heart, mind, and soul to the Word of God. Father Dan will draw upon sacred scripture along with art, literature, and the lives of the saints to help us grow in our love and knowledge of the scripture. In doing so, we can become the living Word of God in this world. Now it is my pleasure to present to you No Spin Homilies. In the Gospel for this weekend, Jesus is coming closer and closer to his impending death. Now in the coming weeks ahead in the Gospels, there's going to be a darkness associated with the stories, a heaviness. Now, today's gospel is from Matthew, chapter 21. Now, we have to appreciate the context in which it is all set in. Jesus has just entered Jerusalem. His death is weeks or maybe even days away. His teaching is very unambiguous. It's very direct. It has to be. Jesus has only a little more time left before teaching his apostles. He must make sure that they understand the message and the teaching and the mission. Now notice this parable. It's addressed to the chief priests and the Pharisees. Jesus intends this parable for them to hear, even more so than the apostles. So we shouldn't be surprised by the language being sharp and harsh. Yet, at the same time, as always is the case in the gospel, Jesus is addressing us too. Now notice how the parable starts. There was a landowner who planted a vineyard. Well, stop right there. And that one line contains the whole biblical theology. The landowner is God himself. God is the creator of this entire universe. Therefore, everything belongs to God. He plants a vineyard. A vineyard is rich in symbolism. A vineyard is a place of beauty, but also abundant with life. This is what God intends for all of creation and for us. God wants the world to be life-giving and beautiful for us. More to, God wants to create out of a desire to share his life with us. God wants us all to flourish. I often give you that quote from St. Irenaeus. God is glorified when the human being is fully alive. Well, God wants all of creation to be fully alive, to be life-giving for us all. Now it says, he put a hedge around it dug a wine press, and built a tower. These are great symbols. The hedge means the vineyard is a clearly defined place. It conjures up images of Genesis, the Garden of Eden, in which the Garden of Eden was a clearly defined place where Adam and Eve lived and existed. The tower. You know, when we climb a tower and we're at the top, we see from a great distance. We see all things going on. Well, God sees everything in this world because he's concerned about us all. A wine press. Well, it's a vineyard. A vineyard is a place where you grow grapes, you crush them, the juice is fermented, and wine is produced. Now, wine. It's a strong symbol of the uplifted spirit to God. Wine is used to consecrate into Jesus' blood, and only Jesus' blood lifts up our spirits. And so the hedge, the tower, the wine press, they're all necessary to make that vineyard productive so that it bears fruit for the harvest. 
all expressive of what God intends for his creation, all given for the express purpose to give life to the vineyard. Well, God does the same thing for us. God gives us gifts for the express purpose of making our life abundant. He gives us the gift of life itself, the gift of our families, our careers, our health. He gives us so many gifts for the express purpose that we may bear fruit in our faith. Now, he leased it to tenants. Now, this was a common practice in the ancient world. Even today, landowners would lease their land to other people that would work the land and produce crops. We call them sharecroppers. Now, the tenants would sit down and negotiate terms with the landowner. For the use of the land, they would pay the landowner back as in a percentage of the crops. Symbolically speaking, we are the tenants. God is the creator of all things, and yet he leases the entire universe to us. God wants us to participate in his life. Therefore, he leases everything to us. Now, mind you, we are not slaves. We are tenants. God gives us the entire universe, and we care for it as good stewards so that we flourish. As tenants, you can say we work for God. And what do we produce for God? Well, the virtuous life, patience, prudence, kindness, charity, forgiveness. What goes wrong? When we forget this reality, we forget we are tenants. People develop the attitude of, all of this is mine. My wealth, my position, my power, I earned it, I worked for it, and now it will serve me. You go get your own. Well, that's not the attitude of a good tenant. Now next, it says, he went on a journey. Well, the landowner doesn't stay and micromanage the tenants. He doesn't look over their shoulder. He doesn't tell them how to prune or water the vines. He trusts the tenants will care for the vineyard. God doesn't micromanage us. He trusts us that we will be good stewards of the many gifts he's given us so that we share those gifts for the benefit of others in this world. And see, that's at the heart of stewardship. Now, it says vintage time came. Well, part of the agreement of the lease was that the tenants had to pay the landowner a percentage of the crops. And so God wants what we produce. And what is that? Well, prayers, prosperity, or skills and ability dedicated to helping others. Next in the story, the landowner sends servants to collect his produce. When does God send the prophets? When the Israelites forget their identity as tenants. They forget all of creation is a gift from God and should be used in that manner. And so God sends prophet after prophet. He sends people like Ezekiel, Isaiah, Amos, Elijah, Jeremiah. Now the tenants, it says, they seized the, t- the servants. One they beat, the other one they killed, another they stoned. You know, such was the fate of some of the prophets. They were not always treated well. Jeremiah was thrown down a well and killed. Isaiah was literally cut in half. Look at the apostles. Many of them were martyred. Now, notice the owner's persistence. He keeps sending one servant after another after another. Finally, in the end, he sends his son, thinking they will respect him. Now, that's a direct reference to John 3.16. God so loved the world that he sent his only son so that those who would believe him might be saved. 
And so God sends prophet after prophet, and they're all rejected. Finally, he sends Jesus, his only son. And Jesus, he reminds us that we are tenants. All of creation belongs to God. We find life in abundance by the very measure in which we acknowledge that as a simple but clear truth. Now, the tenants say to themselves, there is the heir. Let us kill and acquire his inheritance. Now, in the ancient world, if there wasn't an heir to land, the tenants had a right to claim that land. So it says they seized him, threw him out of the vineyard, and killed him. What happens to Jesus? He gets seized in the Garden of Gethsemane, which is inside the city of Jerusalem. Then he's taken outside of the city. He's taken to Mount Calvary, where he is executed. And so it begs the question, what is it about the produce from this vineyard that this landowner will sacrifice all of his servants? Or why is this produce so important that the landowner will easily sacrifice his son? Well, a similar question we could put to God, the Father. What is it that God wants from us that he persistently sends prophet after prophet? What is it that God wants from us that is so important he's willing to sacrifice his only son? The produce that God wants from us is not our homes, our money, our positions, or our powers. God created them all. God already owns those things. Well, the produce that God is so persistent in wanting to obtain from us is our faith and our love and our relationship with him. See, that's all that God ever wants from us. God values our faith and our love and our relationship more than anything in this world. That's why he's so persistent at receiving it. We have to realize we have a God who will stop at nothing to love us and seek out our love. There are no lengths that God will go for our love, even to the point of sacrificing his own son. So you say to yourself, okay, so what should we do? Well, give God the greatest and the best gift you could possibly give him. The gift of yourself. The gift of your heart, your mind, and your soul. The gift of your will and your intellect. Give yourself over to God in your prayer, at Mass, in the sacraments, in a life of stewardship, in the corporal and spiritual works of mercy. See, when we do that, then we flourish. Then we bear fruit. And that's exactly the produce that God wants from each and every one of us. And may the grace and the peace of Jesus Christ rest upon you always.